Welcome to another episode of Failing Forward. I'm your host, Steve Hofstetter. And I'm his co-host, Jeru Tillman. <laughs> Jeru's taking over. Uh, as always, if you enjoy the show, like, comment, subscribe, uh, review, do all that stuff. Uh, Jeru is someone who, we've been friends for a long time. I know you as someone who, you do a lot of things out here in Hollywood. You produce, you promote, you manage. Yep. Um, and I first met you when you were running a comedy club at the Chinese Theater. Yeah. Inside Jokes. Yep. Which was, I thought was so much fun, because like a comedy club at the freaking Chinese theater. Yep, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That was uh, that was like the next level of what Chris Spencer, my partner, and I could do that was cool in our space, which is basically like uh, black Hollywood, black comedy, the hottest situations that we could possibly create. We had just come off of a 10 year run doing a main room at the comedy store in Sunset for you know, good quality, maybe longer than 10 years. Uh, every Tuesday night, we were tripping on Tuesday, and then yeah. we squeezed all the juice we could out of that situation. It was time for a different challenge, so why not partner with the Chinese Theater? We felt like, you know, uh, iconic venue, let's do something creative, and around that time, I got a chance to meet Russell Simmons, and he was looking to do something in LA, um, something new to kind of reinvigorate, reinvigorate his brand, and we decided to partner and do a show there, which easily became the top certainly black comedy show but I would say weekly stand-up show even though I know you'd have beef with that because your your comedy juice show but <laughs> all deaf comedy live was fire it was it was a great show I yeah. I was on it I was on it once and it was following Tony Rock was one of the most difficult things I have ever done in comedy he at that show he killed so damn hard and like I remember like the only big laugh I got was just acknowledging the situation because he had just done a bit he was hosting that night yeah and he had just done a bit it was like this 10 minute long bit about what black church is like yeah and it was amazing and i open and i just go i'm watching that bit going yeah probably <laughs> like i have no idea if it's like that or not you know what before we go any further yeah i just need some clarification yeah. are you jewish i am jewish so what's with the the clan hat it's not a clan hat it's a dunce cap has anybody else it's any, a dunce cap there has been a couple of, my mother brought it up yeah um but yeah there have been a couple of times where like people are like oh it's a clan hat i'm like no it's a dunce cap just need to contextualize it is our a dunce relationship. cap it is absolutely. Dunce caps are uh, with the, it's got the paper thing. It says dunce on it. Okay. Although you know. clan hats are kind of dunce like as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. You know what? Can we change the logo? Maybe give me like a like a beret or something. Can we just do something that would be? What's the furthest thing from a clan hat? No clan hat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. just, just straight hatless. But I, but I feel you. I'm in a suit. There's no there's no clan hat. Dog, I really like this because you know if anybody knew you, you're like. You know, you're a businessman, but you're a hustler and you're a comedy purist at the same time. And I think that that's where me and you vibed out because yeah. we're entrepreneurs. I, my niche has always been if you live in L.A. and you're out here as a stand up comic, you're really looking to become a you're really looking for a bridge to TV and film. Yeah. And now digital, you know, the, most most people. Yes. Yeah, well, if you're out here as a stand-up comic to make it a stand-up comedy, then you're a fool, truthfully, because there's no money to make here. You can't live and sustain yourself. Right. You're looking for a bridge. Some people are looking for a bridge, like myself, looking for a bridge to film and TV just to fuel the touring. But like, you're, it's a you're, necessary But you're evil. different. You're, you're, yeah. you're a different type of dude, man. You're not the norm from the standpoint of how people think from a business construct. That's a not, absolutely. That's not the norm. Uh, Dan Hansen, who was a producer with me on Laughs, yeah. 
uh, always said that um, most stand-up comics are stand-up comics until they don't have to be anymore. Okay, I feel that. Because so many that. of them are doing it until the sitcom. Like, some of us are like, oh, yeah, if we get the sitcom, it'll just sell tickets and that'll be great. And then there's some people who are like, <clears throat> second I get that sitcom, I'm never looking at stand-up again. Yeah. I mean, I hear that. It's kind of hard. When, if you get a successful sitcom, chances are your skills as a stand-up start to erode because, you know, you're not in the clubs. Yeah, that's true. You know, you got less free time. You got money to make and bills to pay now. Yeah. You're not running from bills. Well, so I want to go back to what you were saying. The fir- So the first time we met in person, I still remember this. We got coffee somewhere somewhere in the valley. Yep, you paid. Um, yeah, I did? Yeah, you Good paid. for me. Yeah. I, I knew what I was doing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so Impressed. But we got, we got coffee. And I remember talking to you and just being like, this guy's got his hand in a ton of different things. And that is one of the best things like I've seen from whenever I'm talking to anyone who is a successful entrepreneur, there's never all the eggs in one basket, ever. It's always multiple sources of income because one could go away. It's always, you know, and it's also uh, the metaphor I try to use is the pyramids in Mexico, the four-sided pyramids. Right. Um, you know how they basically have steps along every side? Mm-hmm. If you go up a step and you walk around to the other side, you're still a step higher than you were. So if you were taking a step as a producer, you may have also just gained a step as a promoter. You may have also just gained a step as a manager. Yeah, that's real. That's because real. You're, you're going up the side of the business, whatever side you're going up, you're also going up the other sides that are attached as well. Yeah, and absolutely. So, so the thing that I liked about you is that you you were someone who not just understood that, but who I thought understood it better than I did. Well, I mean, I don't know about that, but I definitely felt like there was some synergy there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just as I mean, you you've been out in out here in Hollywood long enough to have seen you know some of your cohort become really really successful, and then see some guys who maybe haven't managed to break through yet, and yeah. they're and they some who did accept- that and then came back. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know how that goes. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I think um, there's something to be said about just trying different stuff and being able to you know understand how failure can help push you forward yeah. so, and I think that in my case uh, you and I probably have several shared experiences I mean you know some stuff that that some people will constitute or that I might constitute a failure plenty of guys in my position wish they have the opportunity to do like uh, that HBO series that we just did that, that didn't happen I mean that that happened for one season and then didn't happen because Let's talk things happen yeah so you get a show on HBO yeah that's the that's the golden ticket yeah for yeah. a little. <laughs> yeah. For a little. Well, you know, we really worked that situation for a long time. All that comedy live, we pumped a lot of resources in. And again, if you or anybody had had a chance to come, you never know who you see. You might see Chris Brown, Jamie Foxx, just people just hanging in the audience, basketball players, politicians. Yeah. That's always been an ecosystem that I try to create with the stuff that I do because it's not about the money you make from the tickets. It's about the business that you do. Uh, around town from that you create in the room. Yeah. So I always wanted to create an experience that people wanted to vibe to. So Russell and I created that show with the objective of getting it to HBO. Um, so we worked it for a couple of years. So the live show was created Yeah. so that it would eventually be television. Yeah, for sure. That I mean, takes foresight. Not really. I mean, you know, it's a, it takes the ability to pull to pull that shit off. But the foresight, I mean, Russell Simmons, Def Comedy Jam, a few other iterations of stand-up comedy shows on various networks. I mean, you're hedging your bets there, you know, that you could pull that off. And certainly most people that are TV producers aren't thinking, let me pump as much money as Russell pumped into 
a live iteration of that show just to germinate and hopefully become a TV show. You know, it's like, well, but from that, my standpoint, you, you felt good about it going But in. that's what I mean. When there's someone like Russell Simmons, most people in that position will just pitch shows. The idea of going, oh, we're going to create this live experience that's going to be awesome for a couple of years. Yeah. And then that re the reputation it has will be able to sell itself into a television show. Sure. A lot of people are just like, oh, let's just make a five-minute pilot. Like, let's just make a sizzle reel. Yeah, for sure. And so being able to understand that, like, no, you make this into an experience first, and then that experience becomes a television show. That's why I think it takes foresight. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I think that that's like, um, you know, I got a background in music. Yeah. Not, not certainly not to the level of Russell Simmons, but that's kind of the way you think. It's like, well, what else are you getting out of that show? You're reintroducing yourself to the town. You're letting people know that we're the best. Yeah. We got the most unique, flavorful experience, and you can't get in here unless you got to end, you know? Yeah. So that's really what it was. So I think, um, you know, Tiffany Haddish pinned Gerard Carmichael up against the wall at outside of inside jokes. And that's how she wound up essentially getting on to the Carmichael show. Yeah. You know, it's just moments like that. Um, you know, just it's, it's funny. It's like um, Leslie Jones, you know, do you know her material at all? Yeah, Leslie's she's fantastic. Got this, you know, she, she, was, got this... she was great long before Chris Rock said something. Yeah, dude, like in that, in that room, for example, like my wife, uh, yeah. I told her, I said, Leslie's performance, so she came, a couple of her friends, right? So if you remember, we had all the VIPs sitting in the front of the stage, which is kind of abnormal for a comedy club. Yeah. Most people don't want the attention, except if your music and tastemaker culture, you want to be seen as much as you can. But I put my wife in a couch, so just she can enjoy the show. So Leslie's performing, and I typically stand at the back because I don't like crowds. So Leslie's yeah. performing on stage, and she goes into her bit where she hates pretty bitches. Yeah. You know, she just, I hate pretty bitches, right? And so she's getting into it. The crowd's getting to it. It's pack night, and she jumps off stage. I'm in the back, and I'm watching. I'm enjoying it. She starts choking this chick. Right, and the crowd is going nuts. I hate pretty bitches, and she jumps on stage. After the show, everybody's letting out. I see my wife, and I'm like, "Yo, what'd you think of the show? Did you have a great time?" She was like, "I loved it." Until Leslie jumped off stage and started choking me. Oh, you didn't realize? <laughs> I didn't really realize she was choking my wife. <laughs> we found out the next day she was pregnant. By the way, the so, from you know, being choked by Leslie Jones, yeah. that is quite I mean, that's, an accomplishment. You know, you know what I mean? Leslie could, went from one of my favorite comics yeah. to <laughs> on, my, on my list. That's really what shook it in. You know, that's yeah. what. Yeah, but back to but back to the show. I mean, like that really like. Its reputation across the country led uh, HBO to get reinterested because you know how it is at, at networks, man. It's really like um, it's about the people who work there. Their sensibility, yeah, you know, typically shines through. I mean, if I was working in development at a network, it would probably reflect my taste, not necessarily what everybody else would like. So, but in in this case, the fact that we managed to create so much heat gave HBO a reason to want to get back in bed with us. And I think cyclically, things started turning back around, less certainly on a, on a black side from like kind of hipster comedy to more traditional, rooted in the experience, common everyman, regular, mainstream kind of humor as opposed to, you know, it's so smart and intelligent. <laughs> you know, just really gut-busting laughs. And that's kind of what my thing is. Yeah. So, you know, we happen to we happen to sell that show at the right time. And also there's a nostalgia factor yeah. of, you know, people who grew up watching Def Comedy Jam wanting yeah. to see the next iteration of that. Yep. So, all right, talk about it. So, you get the you get the show and that is do you remember getting the call? Do you, I assume it was a call? Yeah, well, we knew for a while. I mean, Russell had a deal uh, with HBO in general, mm -hmm. so we had a first look there. So the relationship has been good with HBO for years. I think, um, you know, the 
the thing about him and Russell is still like, you know, definitely one of my, you know, he's on my Mount Rushmore. You know, like I grew up at a time where you kind of revere, at least the type of guy I am, I revered the hustler businessman, the guy who was an entrepreneur, da da da. So Russell certainly qualified. So he pushes, you know, he pushed and pushed and pushed and he stayed in pocket with them. And then, you know, obviously what we were doing, the live version, I kind of proved his, you know, his hustle and yeah. pitch. I always found it so strange that it's so common in the rap game to have people who are artists who are then, you know, it's the line from Jay-Z, the, uh, you know, I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. Yeah. And that is so common in rap and hip hop. And it doesn't exist in comedy. You know why? Why? Because, and this is no disrespect to anybody in comedy, but the cool kids don't typically become comics. Doesn't typically yeah. work like that. You're typically funny because you're usually either silly and goofy or you're expressing some form of pain because yeah. you've been excluded from the mix. So you're not necessarily the cool dude who's. We're going to have to take a break in a second now. <laughs> we actually do have to take a break in a I second. Take a break. We'll be right back. We'll be right back talking about how uncool I am. Welcome back to Failing Forward. Right before the break, uh, Drew Tillman was telling me uh, all about how I'm not cool, and he wasn't wrong. Um, but I also think that there is something to be said, because there are a lot of comics who do eventually become cool, who do, you know, you hit. And I think the only two people I have seen that have been doing this are, well, I should say three. There's Kevin Hart, there's Gabriel Iglesias, and there's Tiffany Haddish who are seeing that their name alone can launch other people. Yeah. And so, There's you know, more, though. It, it's just so rare to see, you know, in, in rap and hip hop, you have, you know, everyone from, you know, Master P to Dre to Jay-Z. Yeah. And there's so little of it in comedy. Well, so little of what? That entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah. The idea of of once someone becomes a like, look at someone like Seinfeld. Okay, Seinfeld, now look, you don't need, he doesn't ever need to do anything he doesn't want to do. Right. But it would be so easy to just, Seinfeld presents, he picks his five favorite comics, that's an hour special, that's a season-long show, that's a worldwide tour, yeah. whatever it is. And not just him, but there are so many people who are big enough to do that. Yeah, but do they do that? Because I mean, I, They don't. A, well, they do, on a, certainly on the African-American side, the top of the food chain, I think they typically do that every Gerard Carmichael yeah you know he's like the Don at HBO you know he does the beautiful quality he's producing he's producing more stuff than you see he's writing yeah you know Django Zorro with Tarantino he's you know producing everybody's special little Rel special he's yeah. doing he's launched he's helped to launch uh, Tiffany and Rel's career at into the next plateau. So, so I mean, he's definitely been influential. And you look at what Tiffany's doing. You look at what Jamie Foxx has done with everything from the Apollo to a couple of TV shows on Showtime. I, th I think that people get it now. you know. And I think that this next generation that's coming up that really understands how to leverage yeah. the digital and social media space. And, you know, they're kicking ass. I mean, you look at 80. Are you familiar with 85 South? No. Those dudes are like. That's the next movement. Those are three dudes that are very, really popular and wilding out. Yeah. Carlos Miller, who is, you know, oh, a yeah, traditional know comedian, is. Uh, but is also huge on social media. But has been a great comedian. Last Comic Standing. Yeah. He did our All Deaf show. DC Young Fly is one of the hottest guys on social media for years. And Chico Bean from Wilding oh, Out. Oh yeah. Those guys went from comedy clubs, Funny Bones, in January of 2019 to, you know. 3,000 seaters, you know, consistently being the hottest act in the game. And I think that 
leveraging their power and their audience. I mean, that's the new business model, man. Those dudes are businessmen. You so, can't disrespect them. So I need to amend my original statement and say it's not very common in white comedy. Because <laughs> so far, all I'll, the examples are not for white guys. At, you look at well, that's but that's my paradigm. I do yeah. I do the black stuff. I mean, it's like that's that's my swag. If you, look, man. I think that there's nothing wrong with authenticity. I grew up in an era where it was celebrate our differences. We're not yeah. all the same, but we love each other. Now it's like everybody's got to be the same. If you go into a sushi restaurant and yeah. you see me behind the counter at the only open booth going, what a shade, you might be like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? You want There's nothing wrong with that, but now you got to apologize. So, But no, I think that, look at Dalia. Look yeah. at Burt Kreischer. Look at Sebastian. Those dudes oh, are all leveraging true. their part. Look at you. I mean, you know, you you're really well. You're going to sit here and play humble, but you're really uh, known, at least certainly in my sphere, which is the absolute best in black comedy. <laughs> um, you're known you're known as being a pretty influential guy in terms of helping guys that are now huge stand up stars that happen to be black, but the biggest. I don't want to say any names, but the biggest. You've helped them establish their social media to really talk guys and help launch them. Which is which is fun because I know about that, and yet I've never heard it from them. You never will. I you never yeah, will. It doesn't work will. like that, baby. It yeah, doesn't I, work I, like I that. I never will. But it was it was funny. That's something that uh, Chris Spencer first told me. Yeah. Um. When I went to when uh, uh, Chuckle Sundays was doing the Showtime yeah. party, and I went there, and he, you know, and he like name dropped someone who's very very big, and said, you know, oh yeah, you know, you helped him start his social media, and I was like, can you make sure he knows that? Because I don't think he knows that. <laughs> Um, but but that but that happens. It's it's more just a funny story. But the and I appreciate you saying all that. Um, my point though with the whole thing is is basically saying that like you seem to be someone who understands that you build something bigger than one person. Because if you build something based on one person, well, what happens if that person doesn't want to work anymore? That person gets hit by a truck. That person you know, just yeah. decides, oh, I'm going to move to Italy. Like, y you build something that has various different tentacles in various different places, and that's how you, that's how you entrepreneur, if I'm going to use that as a verb. Yeah. So, talk, let's go back to the HBO show. We're way the hell off topic right now. Yeah. So, let's go back to the HBO show. So, you guys had a season. Yeah. What was going in? How long did you think it was going to last? Did you think about that? Well, we thought it was going to last a long time, and it should have. You know, it's just... You know, it's a difficult discussion to get because I really don't want to have to expound on it after this conversation here. I don't want to have to get into it on social media, but yeah, you know, there was just some allegations made that literally just as we were going into marketing. Oh, the I didn't show, realize the timing of that. Yeah. Okay. So well, this that, was a tricky. Yeah, that's a completely different thing other than the content of it. That's just yeah. But the content <laughs> yeah. of it was interesting because. <clears throat> You know, this is a this is an interesting time, man. Where it's like, um, you know, like what is stand up comedy, man? Is it gonna be? Is it gonna turn into jazz? You know, because yeah. it's like uh, the dudes who really get it in the clubs get the opportunities in the clubs now. Are the ones who could sell tickets and the guys who could sell tickets are the guys theoretically to have social media followings. At least the new generation, the ones yeah. that have social media followings, so they're getting the opportunities before they're ready, and they suck. You know, and you know how it is. It's like. You know, more often than not, you'll meet some good guys, but then there's some guys who buy into the, you know, two million followers, baby, I'm the best thing ever, but, you know, 
you got to work that craft to be good enough to entertain a crowd for an hour. And and also, what's incredible about that, and by the way, for any viewer who's going to give me shit in the comments about how, like, I completely understand why you cannot get into that right now. And I want to make sure that anyone listening knows that this isn't the show for that. So the, the idea of, like, going back to building people around you. Mm-hmm. Like I have seen, and there are some, you know, people who are Vine stars and now TikTok and, you know, right. uh, all these other things where they've got, oh, I've got 2 million followers. I'm do my own thing. I've talked to a couple of them about being like, you know, all you have to do to launch someone else's channel is just feature one video of theirs. And you could own half of that channel too. You could launch someone, you just find someone talented that you like and you go, oh, I'm going to build that also. But there are so many that have this attitude and it's the same as like, Oh, I could do an hour on stage. I've I've done these five minute videos, and like they don't understand. You can't yell cut on stage, homie. <laughs> you entertain me. No, that's oh, tough. Oh, can't yell cut on stage is great. Mm-mm. I love that. That sure. is that's the title of the episode. But the the idea of of people who who they one side of the pyramid, but they're not working on the other sides. Right. And that's the problem. You can't have a one-sided pyramid. That's the problem. But I mean, at the same time, I don't want to sound like get off my lawn guy because, yeah. you know, like at 25, if you had those opportunities, you know, if you had access to to the tools that some of these guys have, you know, you might be way further along. So, I mean, you can't begrudge at the end of the day, if somebody's open-minded enough to say, you know what, okay, cool, what can I do to start leveraging it? And plus you get learned from these dudes. I mean, they're really yeah, I, you know, innovating on the fly on how to create a business out of nothing. You know? I, I'm not I, I'm not begrudging them their success. And yeah. you know, something I've said before is that YouTube and TikTok and anything else is just the new television. Yeah. That is how teenagers are watching television. And so saying, oh, I want to be an Instagram star is the same thing as someone in the 70s saying I want to be on a sitcom. Ah, No, it's not. It is not. Man. It, it, to these kids, it is because that's what they're watching. Yeah. But you know what, though, man? It's like what's good is so watered down. I mean, how many more asses can you see in an Instagram with a post that's a inspirational message get oh the fuck i agree out of here. that there's, there's no garbage there here. think it, about yeah. hold on a second think about television though when we were growing up yeah like think about the sitcoms that were greenlit by some 70 year old white guy in a suit and the idea that some of that shit that was on tv that we might even be nostalgic about now just because we watched it when we were kids but it was still garbage there was yeah. always garbage. That's true. That's In true. Every medium there was garbage. Look, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, great. There's no barrier to entry to compete. Yeah. Right. So your audience finds you, or they don't. You know. Matter of fact, your audience finds you. If you sh- if your shit sucks, then you suck. But yeah. To your point, you know, like nothing. It's like uh, ESPN. You're a sports fan? Yeah. It's like if you go to ESPN, right, and the last article is from Thursday of last week, you're going to be like, what the fuck? You know, you just want something there. Yeah. So really, when you think about it, like being a content producer now like those guys, it doesn't matter. You don't have to win an award with every piece of content. You just have to keep giving it to your audience who likes you, and you fail forward. There's nothing... There's yeah. nothing that you can't lose, really, as long as it's not like you know dangerous. And I, and I do think that it's that it's garbage when like someone was uh, someone was talking shit to me on Instagram, and I usually I usually just try to just block, delete, whatever. But it was just too fun not to engage, right? Because they yeah. were talking shit to me that I only had twenty five thousand followers, 
And I was like, Damn, you got 25,000 followers? Yeah. It's impressive, dude. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you. No doubt. Um, and real. so this person was like, said something about how like, I'm not as big of a comic as I think I am. And I just wrote back because their whole Instagram was just half naked pictures of them. And I was like, I have 10 times as many followers as you do. And I didn't have to show my ass once. I mean, you know. And that is like, I, I do think that someone like that, like, fuck that person. But there, but there is something, it goes back to what you were saying, is that there's no barrier of entry, but also the barrier of success is having something that people want. You can't just put out shit that people don't want. It's democratic right now. Yeah, but I mean, on the flip side, yeah. you know, you can't, with, you know, social media, you're, the cost for the content that you create is probably zero. Yeah. Right. When you're just getting started. So, I mean, you know, you, you have the ability to keep putting bullshit out until somebody says, yo, that's pretty good. And then all of a sudden it's not bullshit anymore. Yeah. It's what you do. Have you looked at TikTok at all? I have. It's not for me, but I get it. Yeah. TikTok yeah. isn't for me either. And there are so many things that I see on there that I'm just like, oh, my God, the only reason this has a million views and it's because it is a hot girl pretending she's an awkward girl dancing to music for 10 seconds. And it's just a bunch of horny dudes and they're reloading it. But at the same time, and it, so at first I was like, fuck TikTok, I'm not going to play. Right. And then someone told me, hey, there's a little stand-up on there. There's a lot of room for good content on there. That's a good point. Because there's a ton of eyeballs. And right. a lot of the stuff that's on the top is absolute horseshit. Now, every now and then you see something and go, okay, that's really clever. Right. Right, but a lot sure. of the times, it is just someone doing a street joke. It is them acting out a street joke. It is, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But there's room for good content because they've built this audience. Yeah. And so I went from hating it to I put a couple of videos on there. And in three days from starting on TikTok, I had a video with a million views. Because they had nothing. I shouldn't say they had nothing. They had very little that was competing with it. And so... Do they still? Uh, yeah, this was this was a couple weeks ago. Dude, like, yeah, there's not like 20 pieces of Hofstetter content up on TikTok. I, I try to do one every couple days now. Okay. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's like I was doing sketches. Rudu Bondar is, a, if you're not familiar with him, super funny mm -hmm. comic out of Houston. Uh, he writes on uh, the roast. He opens for Nikki Glaser a lot. Oh, dope. Okay. And so uh, I was touring with him, and we did this whole sketch where he was the, just a shitty Uber driver. Yeah. And it was just that took off because so many people could relate to it. And so one of the things I really like about TikTok and the reason I think it works is because the, you don't need production quality. You don't need – you just have a funny idea. You film it. You put it right. up. Right. Which is one thing I really like about it. Um, our conversation has been all over the place. Um, but I think the, the biggest takeaway that I want people to have from this is that the reason you have your hand in so many different places as far as I can see is because you never know which of those places is going to be a success. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, um, every, but everything I do is like a spoke on the wheel. It all revolves around comedy. So yeah. whether it's managing Tony Rock or a real comedian who's got his hand, who's known as primarily as a digital influencer like a Ryan Davis, or whether it is producing a TV show like All Deaf, yeah. or whether it is um, partnering with like a live nation to produce the Hollywood Black Comedy Festival. All those things kind of work together. You know, and then, you know, so for me, it's a 
live shows become combined into one entity becomes a festival which becomes a piece of intellectual property that hopefully a guy like myself could say I built this shit because I love it and it was difficult to build initially but now I'm selling it for a fair price and it's an institution I mean there's a competitive side for me but you know I think that um, guys like you and I who are entrepreneurs even though you're a comedian you can't compete in any different environment because you know you're tough that hot ass show I used to produce at the comedy store every week for 10 years it'd be packed sometimes and, yeah. and then right before the end of the show I'd have to go outside to the ATM and grab a couple hundred bucks to pay my staff yeah. because everybody got in you know you gotta make sure all the important people who can't afford to buy a drink could get in because that's your vibe you know yeah. but I'm being facetious but you know you do all that to sacrifice to to get there but it you know it's been it's been a fun experience and along the way you make money you build great relationships and hopefully you could do some stuff to position yourself to rise out with a with a pillow as opposed to being a car dealer you know talking about you worked in entertainment yeah. in the 2000s I don't want that to be me it's it's short-term loss for long-term gain yeah but you know what though I think that um, I think that your career goes in phases like being a, a comedy night like having a night like comedy juice or what I did at the comedy store you you get into it at a certain phase to get in the game and you don't expect to make a lot of money because you're yeah. building relationships and you know you become uh, an expert and stand up through it in the business to stand up through attrition just by surviving the bullshit right yeah and then after a while you say okay cool I'm an adult now I got some fucking bills I got to level this up and turn it into a brand yeah you know like you did and then make room for the next dude who's willing to come in here and get his ass kicked so he could get in the door and then I'll give him the game and and you know keep a little keep a little piece of his action while I help grow him up and so on and so forth well that's what you know I didn't start comedy juice I mean I I took over right I you know I there was other stuff I was doing but I think that the the thing that drives me nuts is the stay in your lane people because lanes end and the people who stay in their lane newspapers stayed in their lane when tv came and then when digital came newspapers were still like no we've been printing this paper for 162 years you know what happened it closed at 163 and the people who stay in their lane and don't realize the world is constantly changing and therefore their ideas have to constantly change like those are the people who are going to fail and I think that the reason you don't is because you're not someone who used to be in comedy. You're someone who, with every iteration, you know, 10 years ago, you weren't doing anything in digital because digital wasn't a thing yet. Yeah, that's true. And that's so true. it's the ability to bob and weave and it's the ability to turn your blinker on and go take another line. Yeah. And also being able to leverage those relationships. Hopefully you've built enough relationships over the years that, you know, how it goes. It's like you start out somebody's a door guy both you guys are sharing a slice of pizza and the next thing you know somebody gets a job and then they become a VP and you know that's kind of how it rocks so it's like you know at this phase of the game you know like a lot of our peers are in positions of power it's supposed to be that way if you can't tap on those shoulders and do business with people that you started with you did something wrong yeah you did something wrong because it's the the best thing about it is like the subtext of this conversation like you and I can have this conversation all day because I know you have gone through some of the same bullshit that I have yeah and the thing that I most respect and appreciate about you is uh you know you get you're in the game whether it's you know whether it's through the front door through the side door you figure it out like you'll get a TV show on the air you don't wait for the for the dude with the suit to say you 
Yeah. You're, we're choosing you. You you figure it out, you know? So, you know, cheers to you, my brother. Do. Thank you. I'm yeah. back at you. Yeah. Not everybody's built like that, though. Plug something. What do you want to plug? Uh, let's see. Um, doing a new monthly show starting in January at the comedy show at the comedy store with Dion Cole. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Me and him get along like peas and carrots. It'll be uh, a monthly showcase of the best and the top names and contemporary black and urban comedian along with the freshest faces that both the streets and the executives at the mainstream studios and networks will love. And that, so will you. That was a that was a wonderful like that I feel like that was like the summary of it on like the iTunes yep. bio. Yeah. There nicely it is. done. Uh, uh, thank you for watching or listening to another episode of Failing Forward. Uh, as always, like, comment, subscribe, share, review, do all that stuff, and we'll see you again next week.